All right, let me just say out of the gate, Miller chose the background music. <laughs> so that's all I'll say on that. So if you found it corny and cheesy, uh, there you go. Happy Father's Day. And good morning, everyone. My name is Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Sam normally teaches, but uh, I'm, I'm batting clean up today for Father's Day. So yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Glad to be with you. Honored to be with you this morning. Uh, when you came in today, you probably saw a table out there that is about standing strong. So if you've got more questions about that, Larry would be glad to help you. But I'm thankful for Larry's retirement that got us over the finish line <laughs> with the study. Praise the Lord. But that's our gift to you for Father's Day, men, is, is the Standing Strong Men's Study. Uh, it, is, it is done and complete, and we could not be more excited to, uh, to meet with you and get started and get going on that. We're going to pray, and then we're going to hop into Genesis chapter 2 and see what God has for us as fathers and men today. Lord, thank you so much for your mercies that are new today. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather today to worship you collectively in spirit and in truth. And God, I just beg for you to be glorified during this time and for people to be edified. God, I cannot accomplish that in and of myself. That is the work of your spirit and your word. So God, for your glory, would you do that? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin, I want to take you back to what would be 25 years now, 25 years ago. You're looking on the screen here, you see a Chevy S10. That was Sam's old truck. I spent a lot of time in that truck, in the passenger seat in particular, uh, riding with Sam and, and talking with Sam about all kinds of things. But I remember one conversation in particular. We were parked in that truck having lunch behind a McDonald's. And I'm sure I was having a quarter pounder because that's how I roll at McDonald's. I'm not sure what Sam had, maybe a Big Mac, I don't remember. And the reason that we had gone to this McDonald's is because that's where I would frequent for lunch. I would go to the drive-through and, but there was a reason I wanted Sam to come to this McDonald's with me. There was a very attractive young lady who worked the drive-through and I was working my magic and I thought I had won her and I wanted to show her off to Sam. So we go to the drive-thru and I don't even sure she was working that day. <laughs> so we go and park and we're having our sandwich and I mean, I'm, I'm proud. Because how I grew up as a kid in my neighborhood, in my world, one of the ways that you prove your manhood was to win an attractive lady, young lady especially in public, right? I mean, to cold call an attractive young lady on the street or in the park or on the train or wherever, like you just walk up and you got your friends and she has her friends and you just show yourself to be a man and you walk up and you get her digits. It's a landline, by the way, <laughs> a cell phone. Now, whether those, that number was, true, was correct or not, you will find out later. All you cared about was, hey, I got a phone number <laughs> and I proved myself as a man. So I thought I had accomplished something, but as we sat and talked, Sam, as you would imagine, had some very pointed questions for me, and he had some wisdom for me. Is she a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? What is her relationship with God like? What church is she a part of? How is she serving the Lord? And then from there, just counsel and wisdom that I needed to hear 
at that season, at that stage in my life. And when the dust cleared on that conversation, two things happened. One, I realized that I hadn't accomplished anything <laughs> at all, period. And then the next thing, that relationship that I thought I had won, it was, it was over. Because it was clear to me that I, I had no clue what I was doing. And when I reflect back on that conversation now, 25 years ago, what stands out to me is this, is it was a conversation that really needed to happen when I was 13 with a father that was happening at 23. Does that make sense? The conversation that Sam was having, the questions that he was asking, I, that, was, that should have been at 13, 12, 11, 10, not 23. But what Sam was doing, his heart was to get me to this place seven years later where he would stand before God with my precious wife and I and marry us. And I still remember those words that Sam was whispering in my ear just minutes before I would stand before him with Lori, before the Lord and before witnesses. From Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be talking about fatherhood today. You're going to be finding your place there. We'll not exhaust the subject. It's a large subject, as you can imagine, but we are going to examine three very basic goals of fatherhood. And these goals clarify and they simplify what every father should clearly have on his radar day in and day out as a father. Especially if you are in the thick of training your children. These three very basic goals, you want to master these and when it comes to a topic like this, as we often must do, we have to remove ourselves from pop psychology. We have to remove ourselves from the television in terms of what the television tells us about fatherhood. We have to maybe even remove ourselves from an experience with an earthly father that didn't turn out too well. And we have to come face to face with God in his word and hear what he has to say about fatherhood because he and he alone is the perfect father and he is also the architect of fatherhood. <laughs> so it would be best for us if we're talking about goals of fatherhood to hear what God has to say. The Lord God, as we know here in chapter 2, tells us it caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and took one of his ribs and from that rib God made a woman, and that woman Eve became bone of Adam's bones and flesh of his flesh. In other words, she was as much Adam as Adam was Adam. I mean, it was oneness in its fullness. And this brings us to verse 24. Therefore, because of those things, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, the reason that we're here in Genesis 2.24 to talk about fatherhood today is because this is the first mention of the word father in the Bible, right here in Genesis 2.24. And what we glean here gives us tremendous clarity on these three very basic goals that will be found here. Now, the first point that we need to make is this, and it is very important for us as fathers. 
The first mention of this word father deals with his son leaving. That's very important. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. Now, if I can be clear, (laughs) the doctrine of the mama's boy dies right here. Sorry. If you are a mama's boy, you got a problem with Scripture. It dies right here. It loses its wings. It's over. Because this brings us to a very clear goal and fatherhood, which is the first one that we look at today, and it's very simple, separation. Goal number one in fatherhood is separation. Please hear this. Separation is the goal, not possession. That's so very important for us as fathers and parents. Separation, not possession, is the goal. Separation occurs when a child matures into spiritual adulthood and is ready to reproduce a godly home. That's when you know it's, it's separation is coming officially. Possession, on the other hand, is when a parent cleaves to a child, listen, who is an adult physically, but an infant spiritually. Fathers, please hear this. When that happens, possession represents failure on our watch. As our children age in more ways than one, we are done changing diapers and cleaning up after them. We're done. Now, the key to recognizing and embracing this first goal is agreeing with God on the purpose of children. And this is profoundly simple, but yet for many believers, they tend to overlook this and miss this when it comes to parenting. But it goes like this. Children are from God, but they are not for us. Like we have to get that, fathers. Children are from God, but they are not for us. That is critical. Consider the words of the angel of the Lord to the would-be mother of Samson from Judges 13, beginning in verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For, lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, infertility can be a daunting trial, and it can have a debilitating effect on a couple. But you gotta understand, God's chief interest here was not to address primarily the issue of infertility. That that wasn't the focus here with Samson. No doubt it was a miracle and it was an incredible blessing 
to husband and wife, but from the womb, Samson was to be, listen, dedicated to God, not his father and mother. God had a purpose and a plan for Samson. He was to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Hannah, whose womb the Lord had shut up, prayed, and God answered her cry. 1 Samuel 1, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. Listen very carefully. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah understood that this child that she longed for and was burdened for and trusted God for, and God answered. She understood that he was from God and he was for God, not her. And so she lent him to the Lord. Lord, he's yours. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before Jeremiah was even conceived, God says, he's mine. I've got a great plan for his life. Fathers, the goal of separation is obvious in what is probably the most quoted verse on parenting. And it's interesting how we can just gloss over this. The Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should stay. No. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I understand that Contextually, we're talking about making sure a child goes in the right direction. But be not mistaken, as they go in that direction, eventually they leave. It's there. We don't train them to stay, we train them to go. We had a great example right here for us at Midtown and Doug and Linda Fife. As fathers and mothers, we can all relate to what it must have been like to have your son come and say, hey, I just want you to know how God is dealing with me and leading me. And this is what he has for us. What determines how we handle those kinds of discussions is whether or not we agree with God on the purpose of our children. If Doug and Linda Fife saw their son as, okay, this is God's child, he's from God, he's for God, he's not for us, well, if that's the perspective, well, then God gets to use them whenever, wherever, and however he chooses. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think, what I want. Actually, all I want <laughs> is for God to have his way with them. It's all I want. Because they're his, not ours. Listen, possession as a goal in parenting, when that's your objective, to, to these are my children and they're from God for me, and I'm going to hold on to them as long as I can when that's the goal. Listen, 
it always leads to warring with God. And you can't win that. Neither can I. Because separation is the goal, not possession. My wife, I think about this a lot. My wife, she has, she has a great relationship with her parents. And, and together, we have a very good relationship with them. She loves her parents. Her parents love her. She's the only girl out of four. And, I mean, they're very close. But it's cool, man. My wife, she doesn't. She's not texting her mother every day or every other day or even weekly for that matter. They're not on the phone every day, every other day. Or It's not because they don't like each other. Clearly, it's just because, praise the Lord, my in-laws, they got this. Lori had a healthy separation from them. They understand that she has left their house and she's now building her own. They respect that and I'm thankful that they do because they don't meddle in our marriage. They're not a problem or a nuisance. They have let her go. She's the Lord's. Praise the Lord. Now, fathers, listen very carefully because here's what determines whether or not possession separation or an unhealthy separation occurs. Back to our text in Genesis 2, 24. Very simple. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. So subtly, we can drift from the Word of God, can't we, in how we think. Somewhere along the way, we have accepted that children cannot and do not become adults until they leave the house. And implied in that is, well, they're going to leave and they're going to go out and just really make a royal mess of their life. I mean, they're going to go out and just blow it financially, get married and try that out a couple of times to finally figure out how to do that. And I mean, just go. I mean, and then through all of that, they're going to somehow just become an adult. A mature, responsible, healthy, godly adult. Where do you see that in Scripture? Please give me the verse when you find it. According to Genesis 2.24, who leaves his father and mother? Therefore shall a boy leave his father and mother, right? Therefore shall a girl leave her father and her mother. A young man, a young woman leaves her father and her No, 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 no. A man leaves his father and his mother. We know that God's focus here was on adulthood because what follows that? This man leaves and cleaves to his wife. Children don't do that. Adults do. That's the focus. So this is someone who is ready for marriage. More on that. But this brings us to our second goal, which is maturation. This is our second goal in parenting, fathers, maturation. This is why separation either doesn't happen or if it does, it's not healthy. 
Because a child, not a man or woman, left father and their mother. See, as children, this is, fathers, this is, boy, I I would really implore you to dial in right now on this point, fathers. But as children age physically, their responsibility and accountability should increase. This is how you help them mature. This is how you facilitate maturation. As they get older, they should, be, they should get more responsibility and more accountability. When you understand the importance of separation, this makes perfect sense. Why? Because what you're always doing is you are always preparing them and training them to leave. And what helps them with that is when they learn how to manage responsibility and accountability. Uh, this is something that I'm, I'm as, as I feel compelled to do at different times, I will graciously and gently remind my wife that, listen, every day, our children are getting closer and closer to the front door. And our job is to continue doing what we're doing to get them ready for that. But they are leaving. I sat in this very room a few weeks ago and saw this beautiful young lady walk down the aisle named Sophie Best now. I remember just when she was a few days old, holding her. She's a woman. She's an adult. She's a wife. Happens. I was a mess, by the way. (laughs) Fathers, please hear me. If your children are aging and your wife is still functioning like their personal maid, you are preparing them for possession, not separation. Where she's still doing everything for them, they can't do anything for themselves. Not good. My son, he, he keeps his room clean and orderly every day. He does his own laundry and has been doing so for at least a year now. He and I, we manage the kitchen on weekends. We have kitchen duty, he and I, Friday through Sunday. Do I get a day off today? I don't know, it's Father's Day, so maybe I get a break. He gets the garbage out every week. Bree keeps her room clean, helps with laundry, helps with grocery shopping, cooks a few nights a week for the family. When we go out, we do our big grocery shopping trip. We come home, the car is full of groceries, and the car pulls into the garage, and two teenagers run out, and they help bring all the bags in. We don't ask, we don't, we don't have to. They understand. I live here, I eat this food, I, I can help, <laughs> I should help. If children live in a home, why wouldn't they share in the responsibility of the home? <laughs> they live there. Listen, we're, we're, we're not training kings and queens. 
where they sit around and just wait for the world to bow at their feet and serve them because they're just so special. People like that, listen, people like that who show up in marriage are train wrecks. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because they're selfish and they have expectations and they're entitled, they're not ready. We understand our children are unemployed teenagers with the need to buy things that they want. And so by no means are we wealthy, but, but we have worked out a system with them where there are home projects that need to get done. And, and we, work, we sit down, we talk about what needs to get done and, and how much we can pay them to do that. And, and we're clear, listen, if it's not done, then we're not going to give you anything. Or if it's done incorrectly or done poorly, then we will compensate you accordingly. Welcome to life. (laughs) Can you name an employer that's going to consistently pay an employee to do a bad job or not do the job at all? This is life. (laughs) And this is what we're doing, fathers. Our children, they both have their own bank accounts now and their own name. We, we talk about, we're, we're talking about, that's the big topic now, is we're, we're, we're a big focus on financial stewardship, on them learning how to manage or steward money. They're tithing regularly, not that it's a lot, but based on what they are getting, they set 10% aside. From what I see, both kids prioritize spending time with the Lord daily. I don't mandate that, but we've had those discussions and they understand that if they want to have a healthy relationship with God, they've got to spend time with them. (laughs) They both serve here at MBT. They're part of the cafe. They clean with us on Saturdays. Again, listen, I'm not beating my chest saying my kids are awesome. Yours aren't. I'm a great father. You're not. That's not what I'm saying at all. Believe me, I have had my failures as a father. I am not batting a thousand, and my kids aren't batting a thousand. I'm just trying to show you just how there's got to be a deliberate, intentional approach to training them and and helping them mature so that they are ready to leave. I still have, at times as needed, I have discussions of reproof and correction with my children as I see the need to do that. But by God's grace and his word and him using, John and Cherie Wright, Cherie is Sam's sister and her husband John, many years ago, uh, took Lori and I through premarital counseling before we were married. And man, did they do a wonderful job in terms of just preparing us for the family. And one of the areas of focus was, was on parenting. And man, it was so amazing to be in their home and to watch their children, to, to have a front row seat and to see how, how well-behaved their kids were, how mannerable they were, how they had a servant's heart and they were serving us in their home and, and their home wasn't chaos and it wasn't tense and it wasn't dysfunctional. It was very pleasant. It was very godly. It was very edifying. And we said, okay, that's what it looks like. That's what we want. This is all important because, listen, fathers, the ultimate goal in parenting is Christ-likeness. 
And that's what you're aiming for. Consider Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 13, familiar I know. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. No more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Listen very carefully. What Paul said here was not limited to chronological adults. As much as a person can be an adult chronologically and an infant spiritually, a person can be a child chronologically and an adult spiritually. What did Paul tell Timothy? Let no man despise what? Thy youth. What did God say to Jeremiah, a young man? Got a great plan for you. (laughs) As a father, I would encourage you to adopt that phrase, no more children. In more ways than one, I am looking to see my children come out of childhood. Remember what Paul said? When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I what? I put away childish things. That's what you're after, guys. Please hear this. As a father, maturation, the maturation, the spiritual maturation of your children must be a continual burden every day. Seeing them mature, seeing them think, speak, and act more like Christ. Fathers, if your children are being dishonorable to you and your wife, it's because they're not maturing in Christ. Spiritual adults do not stand in the home of their father and their mother and yell hateful things. Spiritual adults do not stand in the home of their father and mother and slam doors and say mean things like, I hate you. That's what brats do. Untrained, spoiled, immature brats. So let me get this right. You're going to stand in my house that I pay for and eat food I pay for and sleep in the bed that I provide and enjoy the heating and cooling that I provide and wear the clothes that I provide and use the phone that I provide and tell me you hate me? and talk to me and my wife like that? I don't think so. I do not think so. Actually, that's really simple. I got it. You have a job. (laughs) You must have a job. You're moving out tomorrow, I take it. Because the way that you're speaking to me or you're speaking to her, only a man who has his own place, because you surely aren't going to stay here and do that. So you must have a job and you sign your lease tomorrow, right? 
Okay, thank you. I, I, I didn't know. I missed that. Fathers, not that I do it perfect, but I'm always studying my children. I'm always watching their decisions. I'm watching how they address my wife. I'm always watching how they respond to Jeff O'Hara, how they respond to Pastor Jeff Grasher, the report or reports I get back from those men. Uh, I'm very intentional at parent-teacher conferences, and I want to know what teachers are saying, both positive and constructive. Why? Because all of that helps me understand where they are, what they need, and what we have to focus and work on. I watch how my son responds when I walk into his room at 1.30 a.m. and say, I need your phone right now. And as I do, every time we have that discussion, I always ask him, is there anything on this phone that you need to explain to me? Or I'm going to take that phone and I'm going to spend anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes just checking that phone out. He never knows when. Where I'm looking at text messages, I'm looking at Instagram, I'm looking at internet history. He's accountable. So is my daughter. Fathers, please, a passive approach in fatherhood is the enemy of maturation. Please, you understand, children do not wake up one day and go, oh, cool, I got it now. Man, I'm this mature, spiritual adult. That doesn't happen just because we want it to. This has to be intentional, fathers. We get one shot at this, and we have to make it count. Now, does maturation mean that they're going to leave the house and have everything figured out? Of course not. And there are things that they're going to have to learn. They're going to still fall and stumble. But what I'm talking about is, is man, if they're mature in Christ, they'll be ready for what's coming. They won't melt down, cave in, and just blow it. And we meet our third and final goal here, fatherhood, in verse 24 as we wrap up. A man leaves father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So marriage, as we know, is God's first ordained institution. It meant and still does mean a great deal to God. In it, we see the doctrinal picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, as we know. And just as the church is to be fruitful for his glory, so should every married couple, which speaks to the very purpose of marriage. Any more than children are from God and not for us, well, neither is marriage. Marriage is from God, and it's also for God. <laughs> One of the issues that we have in a marriage is people get married and they think the marriage is all about them. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Marriage is from God. It's for God. It would please God for your marriage to bear fruit to his glory. God doesn't join two people together for their sake alone. It's that together they would live the mission. Here's our third goal, Father, in parenting is reproduction. Notice, a man doesn't simply leave his father and his mother. 
he leaves and he cleaves to someone, a wife. Know what this tells us? This tells us that biblical marriage must be a key focus in the training process of children. We have to teach and train our children how to become godly spouses. How to become godly parents someday. You you can't hope that they're just going to somehow catch this. You've got to teach it. Here's why this is important. Children are prone to reproduce the home that reproduced them. Does that make sense? Everything reproduces after its own kind, right? So you give me a child, you show me a child who was trained and reared in a home where a father and mother warred all the time. They had a front row seat of dysfunction day in and day out. Mother and father in and out of financial catastrophe. God, his word, and the things of God were never important. Guess what that child is wired to do? They are wired to leave the home, get married, and reproduce that. They just are. But you show me a child who was reared and trained in a home where they had a father and a mother who loved God together and loved one another and loved them. And as a family, they lived the mission of God together to his glory. Well, now they want to reproduce that. That's how it works. Here we go. The goal of reproduction and parenting is to see children reproduce a godly home. That's what you want. Now, let me tell you why that's important, okay? Right, this is very, very important. No local church can live the mission. No local church can make full proof of what God has called it to do to make disciples without godly homes. We can't do it. How can Midtown Baptist Temple fulfill the mission if 80% of the homes at Midtown Baptist Temple are broken. Marital conflict. Children are a mess. We'll spend 80% of our time counseling all that. (laughs) We won't have time or energy. That's all we can do. That's why this is so important. And studying my children, I can already tell you what kind of spouses they're going to be. I can see it. And when it comes to my son in particular, I, I, I have shared this with him. I've shared that, son, listen, part of what I'm doing is I'm working to get to the point where someday I can sit at your kitchen table in your home with your wife and your kids and enjoy that experience to the fullest. Man, to sit in my son's home and hear him talking to his wife like trash and her talking back to him like trash and and I can just sense the bitterness and the tension and the dysfunction and the brokenness 
and the kids are just dishonorable and out of control, untrained. I mean, the house is just a mess spiritually, and God is not being glorified. Man, I'm grieved. I'm grieved. Man, where did I go wrong? And so here's the key. If I want that experience, I have to provide that experience now. Does that make sense? Because in all likelihood, he's going to reproduce the home that reproduced him. That's how it works, fellas. Amen? So here we go. Separation, maturation, reproduction. Man, those are three simple things I think you can work with. We're going to actually close in prayer. I just want you to know, if you're here today and you've not personally met the Lord Jesus Christ, today is your day. The Bible tells you that. Today is the day of salvation. And so don't be bashful. We'll have people forward here who would love to sit down with you and walk you through the Word of God and show you who Jesus Christ is, what He did for you personally. But to fathers in particular right now, as we bow our heads and we're, and we're in an attitude of prayer, are there any fathers here who would raise their hand and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Man, there's some things that I heard the Lord say through you that, man, I just, please pray for me, <laughs> that I would live those three things, that I would make those three things the focus for me as a father. And there may be some fathers here who may need to come forward. Maybe you've got some questions, some things you need to talk through or, or work out. We'll have men forward here who can help you with that. But is there a father here who would raise his hand and say, man, would you pray for me? I heard from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we know that when your word is open, your spirit moves and it speaks into the lives of people. God, I pray for my brothers, the men who raise their hand, Lord, and, and God, I know just walking through these things, Lord, there are things that we all realize that, well, oh, Lord, I, I need to focus there. I, I, I need to get more direct or intentional there. Whatever it might be, God, I do pray that you would help my brothers, God, to live those things out, to make those adjustments, Lord, help them to Fall at your feet, Lord, and by your grace, Lord, just trust you for wisdom and strength to follow through that, Lord, they might train children in the way they should go, Lord, and that the outcome of that would only be to your glory. And Father, I just pray for this congregation as a whole. God, I know you're working and moving. Would you please have your way? In Jesus' name, amen.